Hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of The Informed Catholic. My name is Ned Jabbar, and this is going to be episode 138 of The Informed Catholic, episode 138. And I'm going to do the readings for Monday. So, uh, if you like my channel, you think I'm doing a good job, please subscribe and share. And uh, I would appreciate it. And um, so let's begin. Um, Let's start with the opening prayer with the act of contrition in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words and what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask... Blessed Mary, Ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to please pray with me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us all our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Christe eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy, Christ have mercy. Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. I know uh, it's not Sunday, but um, why not say the Gloria? Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory. Lord God, Heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, Only Begotten Son, Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and the glory of God the Father. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'd like to say the um, the three prayers, uh, the act of faith, hope, and love. Oh my God, I firmly believe that you are one God in three divine persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I believe that your divine Son became man and died for our sins and that he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe these and all the truth which the Holy Catholic Church teaches because you have revealed them who can neither deceive nor be deceived. Yeah, an act of hope. Oh my God, relying on your almighty power and infinite mercy and promises, I hope to obtain pardon for my sins, the help of your grace and life everlasting. Through the merits of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Redeemer, an act of love. O oh my God, I love you above all things with my whole heart and soul. Because you are all good and worthy of all love, I love my neighbor as myself for the love of you. I forgive all who have injured me, and I ask pardon of all whom I have injured. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. And this is uh, it's one of my uh, favorite prayers, uh, supposed to be a... Uh, basically uh, attributed to St. Francis. Um, whether it's true or not, I still enjoy it. Uh, Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Uh, 
where there is injury, pardon, where there is doubt, faith, where there is despair, hope, where there is darkness, light, and where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. And this little card here, um, it says it's a prayer of St. Francis, but um, I don't know if it is. This one is actually <clears throat> from used. It's a prayer that's actually used in the movie Brother, Son, Sister, Moon, uh, made by Franco Zeffirelli. Uh, it's a very beautiful little um, kind of like hymn prayer slash almost like a lullaby. So I'll say it. If you want your dream to be, build it slow and surely. Small beginnings, greater ends, heartfelt work grows purely. If you want to live life free, take your time, go slowly. Do few things, but do them well. Simple joys are holy. If you want to live like we do, take your time, go slowly. Do few things, but do them well. Heartfelt work grows purely. Day by day, stone by stone, build your secrets slowly. Day by day, you'll grow too. You will know heaven's glory. Amen. And uh, let's say these Fatima prayers. Oh my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. O oh my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. O oh my God, I believe, I adore, I hope, and I love thee. I ask pardon for those who do not believe, do not adore, do not hope, and do not love thee. Most Holy Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I adore thee profoundly. I offer thee the most precious body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus Christ, present in all the tabernacles of the world in reparation for the outrageous sacrilegious and indifferences whereby he is offended. And, and through the infinite merits of his most sacred heart, and the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I beg of thee the conversion of poor sinners. O my Jesus, I offer this for love of thee, for the conversion of sinners, and in reparation for the sins committed against the Immaculate Heart of Mary. This prayer is to be said when offering our personal sacrifices and penances and sufferings. Well, that's, uh, that's something we should think about. The last prayer here, O oh my Jesus, forgive us our sins, save us from the fires of hell, and lead all souls to heaven, especially those who are most in need of thy mercy. This one, we, this particular prayer, we say it at the end, um, to be said after the glory, glory be to the Father, following each decade of the rosary.
Well, I'll have to say with all honesty, um, yeah, there's a lot of indifferences, right? It's a lot of pain and a lot of indifferences. Um, it seems like a lot of lukewarmness and a lot of, sadly, um, uh, I don't know what entered. I mean, it's sad that I think it's, it's obviously, um, I totally agree there was a conversation Taylor Marshall had with someone about this desperation to be accepted. Maybe Catholic leaders just simply found the path that Jesus walks on too narrow and the cross of Christ too heavy. And the sacrifices that Jesus required us to make too burdensome, too too demanding. Jesus himself said, if you if he who wishes to be my follower must deny himself, pick up the cross and follow me. He who loves his life will lose it. If one doesn't hate his life, meaning hate the things that get in the way between you and Christ, you and your salvation. I'm not perfect. I know there's a lot of things I have difficulty letting go of. And I know there's a lot. I mean, given the opportunity for critics, they would tear me to pieces. No. I mean, it would, it, it would, the, the world, certain people would waste no time, I think, and this would be like this with any Christian. They would waste no time to destroy us, to ridicule us, to shove our weaknesses to our face. All right. And that's where we have to remain humble. It seems like Remember what Jesus said also. I'll get to the readings. Um, he, you cannot, you know, you cannot love God and Manon. You know, it's a very difficult passage, but let's look at it this way. If you cannot love, you know, you cannot serve God and the world. You'll find you'll cling to one and despise the other. Right? You will, um, you'll go after one and you'll hate the other. You cannot serve both God and, and materialism. You can say it like that because think about it. You're going to want it's easier with the world, right? It's easier 
when when you when you when we got our pleasures, we want to hold on to them. We want to hold on to them. Maybe that's what happened with Judas. It, it, in the beginning, people were giving their donations, they were giving their money, they were giving food, they were giving them probably lodgings, right? Inviting them to their houses. And maybe when Jesus saw that this was actually affecting the apostles, maybe Jesus saw that this, this was dangerous. He kept on pushing further and further out into the country, into the desolate places. He took the apostles and maybe Judas simply was like really upset and objected. Why can't we go and stay in these people's houses? Why can't we just sleep in their, 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 uh, their estate? These people are inviting us. And Jesus just refused. Imagine, I can see that happening. And Judas beginning to, to really get angry. If you're the guy who's in charge of the money and you're the guy like, you know, you see that people are, are, are willing to give you whatever you want, you know, because they saw the healings, they saw the miracles. They, they may not have liked everything he said, They were willing to, to give what they have, what they can afford to give. And Jesus, we know that Jesus, when he stood by the temple courtyard and where people donated money, you know, there was this donation box and many others gave what they abundantly had. They could afford to give. And a woman comes along and gives. She gave two pennies and Jesus praised her because she gave from her heart not because of the two pennies but she gave it's true she gave all that she had and she didn't have to but a relationship with God is not based on materialism Sacrifice of the heart is a complete uh, emptying. You're, you're admitting that you're completely dependent on God. Not for just your material needs, but your spiritual needs. It's, I mean, think about it. We all look at the image of St. Francis, but we've gotten... We've made him into a cultural, uh, a spiritual icon. But we completely strip the true meaning of St. Francis. Francis came from a time when the church suffered from great materialism. Materialism is in a sense because there was too much close relationship with political leaders, with kings, uh, the popes themselves, uh, where, where the papacy was becoming very complicated. And there was a lot of heresies going around, a lot of heresies. And Francis comes along and Francis simply 
goes to the very heart and core of the gospel. Not attacking the doctrines or the dogmas of the faith. You know, the basically taking the entire spirituality of the church and what does he do? He pulls it away from the material aspect. Francis just simply rejects the material aspect of, of, of the society he lived in. The people put value in their material wealth, in their material existence. They put value in their wealth. They put value in their houses. They put value in their status. They put value um, in their in their politics, and that that also um, seeped into the church. It seeped into the church. Many began to to do that with the church. I would say just as the same as now, except now it's a little bit more different. Okay, we're having a problem where where there's actually serious a serious crisis of the faith i don't think many many people within the church and i'm sorry to say this i i don't want to be arrogant and i don't want to be bold but it's true i don't think they know the faith i don't think they know who jesus christ is and if they really do know who jesus christ is let's say if they really searched him out I'm wondering, do they really believe who he re who who he really is, not was, who he really is now, who is Jesus Christ? Do they really believe in the resurrection? Do they really believe in his divinity? Do they really believe in his gospel? Do they really believe that he is truly present, that he is truly the Lord of history? That he is truly alive now. That he knows who we, who you are, who I am, what the problems are within the church. Do do they do these men and women really do believe it, or are they just simply pretending? Are they lying to themselves? Because let's be honest, they everybody. You got bishops now who are running with the political and social trends called woke, holding Black Lives signs on cardboards, right? Kneeling. You got uh, someone like Father James Martin, who it's uh, he's obviously a homosexual. I'm going to say it. He's obviously gay. He obviously, he obviously is gay. And I don't know what is going on with him and why he does what he does, but why he's in the church and why he's lying to himself. Because he is. He's lying to himself and he's lying to other people. All right. He wants the church to embrace homosexuality. Does he believe that Jesus Christ is who he is? Does he, does he believe this? Because really... We know what the church teaches. He knows clearly what the church teaches. But does he really believe what the church teaches? 
Does he really believe in the gospel? Is it a philosophy to him? Is it a discipline? Does he believe in the supernatural presence? Does he really believe in the Eucharist? I don't think he does. Maybe he kind of does. I don't know. I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like bouncing back and forth here, but let's be honest. What is, what does he really think he can, he's going to accomplish? Right? Then you got these, these bishops now fighting and arguing with, them, with themselves over the Eucharist. Should Catholic politicians be barred from taking communion? Should Nancy Pelosi, should Joe Biden, should John Kerry, should other politicians who clearly are supporting things that completely contradict and oppose the teachings of the church? Now, people would say, well, aren't you being judgmental? Aren't you being self-righteous? No. Okay, no. The Eucharist is the real presence, the body and blood and soul divinity of Jesus Christ. We are a, a incarnational religion. We believe life begins in the womb. Jesus Christ, the Word of God, the Son of God, the divine Logos, who gave shape, meaning, and form to the universe, all right, to all creation, came down from heaven by the power of the Holy Spirit, became incarnate in the womb of the Virgin Mary, was born. The Holy Spirit also blessed the marriage union of Zechariah and Elizabeth that they conceived in their miraculously in their old age. All right, through natural human function, conceived a child, John the Baptist, in their old age. Very simply, it's a pro-life faith. Um, Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. Uh, our, the, the, the scriptures record the, the birth of, of Jacob and Esau. Joseph uh, was the, the fruit. Uh, Joseph uh, was uh, Jacob's favorite, um, most beloved son because he was of his old age. Uh, Moses saved from Pharaoh's uh, massacre. Um, Samuel, Samson. I mean, Samuel, his mother was barren. Samson's parents didn't have a child. They were barren. I don't understand how, how suddenly we don't, we, we, we dismiss this. How did our faith come to this point? How did all of a sudden we become associated, our leaders have become associated with the population control Nazis? How, how could they do this? They don't say one thing, they don't want to say another thing. 
But keep putting your money in. Keep donating your money. All right? Materialism, modernism, globalism has infiltrated the church leaders. They are distant from Jesus Christ. They don't know how to preach. They don't know how to teach. They don't know who Jesus is. It's worse than the faithlessness of the apostles when Jesus was asleep in the boat. I hate to say it, but it's almost like in their minds, let's tie him up and throw him overboard. You know, I don't think they want to associate with him at all. I don't think they want to associate with him at all. I think they're just getting by, you know, till they get that retirement age and they can just get their pension and that's it. And they don't have to worry about it. Maybe somewhere in their thoughts, they're thinking, well, if I'm going to be judged, then so be it. But I'm not going to leave this life without, without living comfortably in my old age. I don't know what to say. It's 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 a sad thing, but I'm not going to lose faith. I'm not going to lose faith. Christ has called me to believe, and I'm going to keep believing. And I'm not going to stop being a Catholic. I'm not going to stop believing. I'm going to hold on to my faith. I know that Christ is real. I know that the Catholic Church, the Catholic faith is real. You know, if you read the scriptures, God had problems with the priests of the Old Testament. He had problems with their rotten, in the book of Malachi, their, their rotten uh, sacrifices. Their, uh, they were cheating him. They were giving him sick animals. And... I think, honestly, what's happening in the Old Testament is happening here. And it's sad. It's sad, but we have to realize if we don't believe, we're, if, we, if we lose faith, um, we're, we're in trouble. You cannot lose faith. Don't give up in the sacraments. The sacraments are pure and true, regardless of the lack of faith of the of the bishops. We have to pray for better priests. We have to pray for better for better shepherds. There are good priests out there. They're hard to find. You know, a good priest is a a good priest, a good holy priest, a good sincere person who believes um, is a treasure is a treasure and I think what's going to happen is is that the church will survive but it will take a different shape I think the priesthood will be more tightly related to the community of each Catholic community um, 
I think the bishops will be very much related to their community. The way it used to be back in the first century. I don't think um, you're going you're gonna to find uh, any more of this sort of like corporate style. I think that's what I'm going to call this now. It's a corporate form of Catholicism. I think that in itself is dying. It's dying because it doesn't, uh, it's not sincere. It, it's, a, it's a tree that does not bearing fruit. The corporate Catholicism, the larger institutional Catholicism is dying. It's killing our people. It's, it's killing uh, the faith. I hate to say it. I find it very depressing. You know, like I said the other day, um, the priests today, they're not trained to socialize with their parishioners. I mean, you know, they butter up. I think they're trained to socialize with those who have money. If you don't have money, they're not going to give you the time of day. All right. I, 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 I've thought about that, you know. Butter up the, you know, the, the ones with the money, you know, speak a little Italian, you know, show off your Italian, talk about Italy. It's always, it's always doing that because I thought about it. It's all about, you know, it's, it's all about the money. It's all about the money. If you don't have any money, it's not, they're not going to give you the time of the day. You know, because, you know. That's that's the whole thing. You need you need you need to keep this keep the parish moving, and that's why they don't say anything. They don't say anything about sin. They don't say anything about hell and damnation. They don't say about judgment day. They don't talk. They don't. They don't rock the boat. It's true. All right. Let's get on to with our reading. Okay. The first reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter eighteen. Verse 16 to 33. Will you sweep away the innocent with the guilty? A reading from the book of Genesis. Abraham and the men who had visited him by Terebeneth of Mimrah set out from there and looked downward towards Sodom. Abraham was walking with them to see them on their way. The Lord reflected, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am about to, to do? Now that he is to become a great and popular, a great and pop populous nation, and all the nations of the earth are to find blessings in him, indeed I have singled him out that he may direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just, so that the Lord may carry into effect for Abraham the promise he made about him. Then the Lord said. The outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is so great, and their sin is so grave, that I must now go down and see whether or not their actions fully correspond to the cry against them that comes to me, I mean to find out. While the two men walked on further towards Sodom, the Lord remained standing before Abraham. Then Abraham drew nearer to him and said, Will you sweep away the innocent with the guilty? 
Suppose there are there were 50 innocent people in the city. Would you wipe out the place rather than just spare it for the sake of the 50 innocent people within it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to make the innocent die with the guilty, so that the innocent and... Hold on, sorry. The guilty would be treated like alike. Should not the judge of all the world act with justice? The Lord replied, If I find fifty innocent people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Abraham spoke again, So how am I so how I am presuming to speak to my Lord, though I am about I am but dust and ashes? What if there are five less than fifty innocent people? Will you destroy the whole city because of those five? He answered, I will not destroy it if I find forty-five there. But Abraham persisted, saying, What if only forty are found there? He replied, I will forbear doing it for the sake of the forty. Then Abraham said, Let not my lord grow impatient if I go on. What if only thirty are found there? He replied, I will forbear doing it if I, if I can find but thirty there. Still Abraham went on, Since I have thus dared to speak to my Lord, what if there are no more than twenty? He answered, I will not destroy it for the sake of the twenty. But still he persisted, Please let not my Lord grow angry if I speak up this last time. What if there are at least ten there? He replied, For the sake of those ten I will not destroy it. The Lord departed as soon as he had finished speaking with Abraham. And Abraham returned home. Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Psalm 103. The Lord is kind and merciful. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all my being. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The Lord is kind and merciful. He pardons all your iniquities. He heals all your ills. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with kindness and compassion. The Lord is kind and merciful. Merciful and gracious is the Lord, slow to anger and abounding in kindness. He will not always chide, nor does he keep his wrath forever. The Lord is kind and merciful. Not according to our sins does he deal with us, nor does he requite us according to our crimes. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so surpassing is his kindness towards those who fear him. The Lord is kind and merciful. All right, one more time. The Lord is kind and merciful. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all my being. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. The Lord is kind and merciful. He pardons all your iniquities. He heals all your ills. He redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with kindness and compassion. The Lord is kind and merciful. Merciful and gracious is the Lord. 
slow to anger and abounding in kindness. He will not always chide, nor does he keep his wrath forever. The Lord is kind and merciful. Not according to our sins does he deal with us, nor does he requite us according to our crimes. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so surpassing his, his kindness towards those who fear him. The Lord is kind and merciful. Okay, now we got to the gospel. Uh, the Alleluia Antiphon is from Psalm 95, verse 8. Alleluia, Alleluia. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Alleluia, Alleluia. If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Alleluia, Alleluia. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 8, verse 18 to 22. When Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side. A scribe approached and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens and the birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But Jesus answered him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Okay, one more time. When Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other shore. A scribe approached and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens, birds of the sky have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But Jesus answered him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. Okay, one more time. It's a very short reading. When Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other shore. A scribe approached and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus answered him, Foxes have dens, birds of the sky have rest nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to rest his head. Another of his disciples said to him, Lord, let me go first and bury my father. But Jesus answered him, Follow me and let the dead bury their dead. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The first reading. Here we have Abraham sort of I guess you can say in a mystical bargaining with God a supernatural bargaining with God he knows that Saul I mean I'm sorry um, not Saul um, Lot his cousin kinsman has taken residence in a place like Sodom and Gomorrah with his family. Lot likes the um, environment of the city. He's comfortable with cities. That's where uh, probably Lot um, came from and um, doesn't enjoy the nomadic lifestyle. And, um, well, Abraham... Here's what the Lord is saying. Now, it's interesting that God 
has decided to visit Sodom and Gomorrah. Eventually, Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed. It turns out it was less than 10, right? And But God promised that if there were 10, he would, you know, he would uh, spare the city. But the city had less than 10 people. And so the question is, why? Well, because the city, the cities are extension of of the microcosm the, of the family, the household. Cities are built, are made up of people, communities, um, political communities, whatever you want to call them, business communities. Um, they're they're a makeup. They're a makeup of those particular kind of thinking, whether intellectual or or actual organic family they are a reflection of it and they also have well they have belief systems sexual practices social practices uh, how they relate to each other there's a lot of there's a lot of things and those things actually build up you know people gravitate to other people of their like-mindedness of their of their interests and when you know we know that when those when those angels got there those uh, divine beings got there the men of the city decided for themselves let's go and um, have our way with these men they wanted to sexually violate them in short they wanted to rape the angels lot goes out and tries to defend his guests. It's a little complicated because he then sort of says to them, I have two, two daughters. They don't know any men. One night, one night I bring them out to you and you can do with them what they like. It doesn't sound very fatherly, but I think the translation is, I have two daughters who walked among you and you haven't even laid a hands on them. And the men, because the response of the men is very interesting. Look at this stranger. He comes here and makes himself judge over us. We will do to you worse than we were about to do to them. That's why I'm saying the translation seems kind of hokey and, and weird. It's, I think it's a Semitic, or the Semiticness of Lot's response sounds... It's lost in translation. Let's put it that way. They, the men got blinded. Now, some translations say, oh, not translations, commentators say, it wasn't because of their homosexuality. It was because of their lack of charity, their lack of neighborliness. They did not welcome. Uh, they were not charitable. They were not neighborly. No, it was because of their perversion. their perversion. They were also possibly practicing human sacrifice. And because look what happened next. Lot, Lot's daughters, I know so air conditioner dropping, uh, uh, dri uh, drops hitting my, from my neighbor hitting my window still. Sorry about that. They got their father drunk and they committed an act of incest with their father. 
The girls were corrupted. They were corrupted by the city. They were corrupted by the cults. They were, they were, they were probably not even virgins at this point. It was so easy for them to do what they wanted with their father. They didn't even think twice of it. And he wound up being the father of the Moabites and uh, some other group. I can't remember their name. Amorites, I think. The, the point is, they, their innocence was already long gone. They're, they were already corrupted. Lot has not been paying attention to his family. And, well, he lost, he lost that battle a long time ago. But because of Abraham's faith and prayer, they were spared from destruction. And the question now is, how does that speak to us today in a society now that is obsessed with sexuality, obsessed with, with, um, with the individual, obsessed with, with, with whatever other perversions. We're constantly obsessed with the material world. We put value on physical existence, on materialism, on money and everything. Even the church, the church itself is now ashamed and embarrassed. Our church leaders are embarrassed by Orthodox conservative Catholics. They're embarrassed. They're embarrassed. They're embarrassed when we speak up. They're embarrassed when we criticize. They don't like to hear it. They don't want to be told that they're doing stupid stuff. They don't want to be told that they're shameful to the Lord. That's terrible, but it's true. All right, let's move on to the psalm. Okay, Psalm 103. The psalmist is calling out to his soul to bless the Lord. To bless the Lord, O my soul. To bless God in the very depths of his being. The very depth of his heart. The core. The heart is the core. The, the Jews believe that's where the ancients pretty much believe that's where all thoughts and emotions come from. Um, the word core, actually, I think in Greek, possibly, I'm, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not perfect, but uh, that's where we get uh, the term heart and we get the word core from. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all my being, bless his holy name. In every, every fiber of his being, he blesses the holy name of God. It should be actually capitalized, holy in name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not his holy benefits. Forget not, forget not all his benefits, excuse me. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Again, he's going to the very depths of his being, his soul, the psalmist, and He's asking his, he's saying to himself the very depth of his being to bless the Lord and forget not all his benefits, forget not all the, the benefits that we receive, the blessings we receive, the graces we receive. The next verse, he pardons all your iniquities. He heals all your ills, all your transgressions, all your iniquities, all your faults, all the 
the negative things, the ills that you've done. He pardons us. God is merciful. He, again, this is why he's crying out to God to say, bless the Lord, O my soul, bless him. All my being, bless his holy name, because God has forgiven him of all his sins. He redeems your life from destruction. To redeem, he, he in other words, he, he has redeemed you. He owns you. He brought you back. He bought you back. He paid, he paid to redeem you from your sins. And once he redeems us, means he paid, he paid the price. He accepted the price, your, your offerings, your thank, your sacrifices, your, uh, your penances. He has, he has willingly accepted the price and paid for and paid to redeem us, to redeem the individual psalmist. So now we belong to him. He redeems you, redeems your life from destruction. He crowns you with the kindness and compassion. The kindness and compassion of God is a crown. The next verse, merciful and gracious is the Lord, slow to anger and abounding in kindness. These are like the words of Moses when Moses saw only God walking away. And he, he said, the Lord, the Lord. Merciful and gracious is the Lord, slow to anger and abounding in kindness. He will not always chide, nor does he keep his wrath forever. In other words, he won't always scold us, and his wrath is not forever because his mercy is great. Great as his wrath, his mercy is even greater. Okay, not according to our sins does he deal with us nor does he requite us according to our crimes okay not according to our sins does he deal with us he doesn't he doesn't hold he doesn't always put our sins before him nor does he uh requite us according you know he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't always hold our crimes against us our sin our weaknesses our sins our offenses for as the heavens are high above the earth so so surpassing is his kindness toward those fear him you see his kindness it probably should be the word mercy so surpassing is his mercy toward those who fear him not all translations unfortunately are equal but this we can say kindness is kind of like a weak one I would say mercy his mercy and his love is far more important I think far more powerful okay everybody always says that the Old Testament God is angry is really, I have to say this, I'm tired of that. It's stupid. You got that from people who, who basically have, a, a, um, who just have a problem with religion. And I mean, a problem with religion, it's not probably not their fault because they probably got just a bad example from bad religious people, which is always the case. Right? I mean, you're always going to get a bad example of someone who's basically terrible at it. Sadly, I, I get that quite a lot now in the Catholic Church. There's, I have to say, a lot of the priests are very disappointing, very disappointing to me. Very disappointing. They're not good pastors. They're not, they don't know how to listen. 
they 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 treat they treat the priesthood like a business and uh it's sad but i'm not going to leave the faith there are good priests out there the best ones sadly are not ones in my neighborhood and not in my local parish they're going to be on the internet they're going to be on youtube they're going to be on a podcast they're going to be in a kindle book but not in my local parish level and also um I prefer the ones that teach. I don't like celebrity priests. Okay? I don't like the ones who's seems to be more comfortable on camera. And I and I and I prefer the ones that you can see warts and all, who really in a sense are not afraid of telling you the truth. A lot of times you can judge a celebrity priest by the fact of the words he keeps using and not you know, the ones that he's, you know, he stays away from. Like if he's, you know, he's pretty much trained on camera. I don't care for that. I want real teaching, real Catholic teaching, a real pastoral teaching. I want someone to really give me who knows I need to hear the truth, not, not fluffy words. All right, let's move on to the gospel. Okay, so... What's going on here with this gospel? Okay, it's a very short gospel. It's like one paragraph, right? Now, the first one to approach Jesus was a scribe. Now, the, actually, let's go a little further. The first line, when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other shore. Why? Was it, I mean, he's, does he have to? right does he have to what does it mean cross over to the other shore well let's first look at what the church fathers often teach about uh the setting okay sorry about the noise outside the sea of tiberius also known as the sea of galilee the sea is looked on as the waters are sort of a picture of the nations, the nations of the world, the different people. We see this, again, this image in the book of Revelation where Jesus speaks in the voice of many waters. The many waters is reference to many different nations, languages and tongues. To cross over to the other shore means to go to another country, another region. And he wants his disciples, his followers, to make that sacrifice, to bring the gospel to other places. Right? Because the crowds are around him. The crowds are all his disciples. The first person to approach him was a scribe. Let's first get an idea of what a scribe is. A scribe is a scholar, probably a lawyer, right? They help to interpret the law of, of Pharisaic Judaism because that's the thing. Pharisaic separated ones, the Pharisees, basically what the, the Jews in the Old Testament, the Torah, has 613 laws. The Pharisees invented 
practically on top of the 613 laws, you could say interpretations. How do you interpret and how do you execute and practice every single law? They actually have put more emphasis on their interpretations of the law than the actual reading of the written law. Basically, it's oral tradition. Back then, they followed each one. There was like different schools, but they all pretty much interlocked together. And it made the lives of daily practicing Jews very, very difficult. You know, what can you do on a Sabbath? What can you not do? The law says you shouldn't work. But then on in front of their laws, they put their own interpretations under each one. And probably under each interpretation, they put another interpretation. It made it very, very difficult for the average person to really practice their faith. It actually made it a burden, which is what Jesus complained about. Jesus said, the, the, the scribe says, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And what does Jesus say? Foxes have dens, birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay down his head. Why does he say, why did he answer him like that? First of all, what is a fox? A fox is known to be, known to be a, a, skevel, a, a clever scoundrel. The little creature has a way to wiggle his way around. He's clever, a clever scavenger, a clever hunter. The bird is much more a humble creature. He makes his nests in the trees. Jesus is saying, the son of man has no place to lay his head. Now, maybe he's referring to the scribe because the scribe is like a lawyer. You know, for those who are clever, they can always find a place to, for themselves. The bird is a much more humble creature and may be satis satisfied in the nest. But he's saying the son of man has no place to lay his head. He's actually telling the scribe, can you be like the son of man? The son of man is a messianic title from the book of Daniel. The one who will come at the end of the ancient of days, meaning at the end of time in the day of judgment. And the son of man is a title for a being, a messianic title, but is also the title of some of a being who is divine, who is who is from God and is God. Very, very, Jesus doesn't use that title lightly. Whenever he says the son of man, he's referring to himself. But he's simply saying, sorry about the noise in the background. He's simply saying, do you even know what you're asking? Do you even know who you're saying to follow? Because that's the problem. A lot of them did not did not see it. When they heard the Son of Man, it probably scared scared them. It scared the uh, the daylights out of them. Let's use a proper term: the daylights out of them. They they were shocked probably when they heard it. Now the next one is a, dis uh, a disciple. Teacher, let me first bury my father, and then Jesus says, "Let the past bury the uh, bury. Let the dead bury their dead." Why is he saying that? Well, he's practically saying to both, "You're going to have to let go of your attachments." He's not saying, "Don't go bury your father." He's not saying that to the disciple, but what he's saying to people, "You're going to have to sacrifice everything." Back then. 
back then, you didn't have telephone. You didn't have the internet. You didn't have all those things that made it easy to keep track of your family members. Right? Right? Some, some of us have family members from, an, from our old family places of origin, like, you know, another country, another region. Like, I have family in the Middle East. I can keep track of them on Facebook. I have family live in the South. I can keep track of them on Facebook. We can... Now, nowadays, it's very easy to keep track, and maybe even it makes it even harder to leave everything behind, because the gospel asks quite a lot. Jesus asks quite a lot from people, and you know he wants people to know that. He wants people to know you're going to have to leave everything behind. And some people you may never even see them ever again. But that's this is this is this is how the this is how the gospel was practiced. This is how the gospel is still practiced. For the scribe, he's clever. He has to know the law like a fox. He interprets the law very carefully. You know, so carefully. I'll give you an example. When Jesus made a complaint to the Pharisees that their parents would come to them, their father and mother would come to them asking them for financial help. The Pharisee would use the law of Moses. He would use an interpretation where he says, sorry, I, what, um, I already made a donation to, uh, I already promised God what I would give him. I would donate this amount of money. Whatever I did have, you know, has gone to God. So in other words, they actually would drop out of helping their parents. They would use the law to wiggle out of helping their parents. And Jesus was was telling them the law says honor your father and your mother but then you use donating to god donating money money to god as a way to not helping your parents he called he he looked upon that as evil that's the way they 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 use the law they they manipulatively use the law of god to hide behind the law of god in order not to fulfill the commandments of god and that jesus called them out on a very a very evil interpretation it's you know so there's a lot he's asking here he's asking for detachments from the old life your old way of thinking your old way your old bad habits your old mannerisms how you think how you talk how you behave and to give up all the things that you used to you you love you love like you know your hobbies whatever all these things, he's saying, don't let them get in the way. If you really are serious at being my disciples, you better be ready to, to offer up sacrifices. You better, ready, you better be ready for heartbreak. You better be ready for disappointment. You better be ready or you're not ready. You can't be my disciple. These are the things that he's requiring. All right, let's end it here. I'll try the best I can with the noise in the background. Sorry. Let's say in our Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory now and forever. Amen. God bless.